Welcome to another edition of Trending Topics with BB. I am your host, Brooke Brown. But before we get to that, I do want to remind all listeners out there, if you have not, log on to the official website, which is trendingtopicswithbbpodcast.com. There you will find all links to new episodes and our social media. And if you have Googled this podcast, which probably a lot of listeners have, then you have found that website regardless. But thank you to all current and past listeners of this podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, And I apologize to those that have been reaching out at ttwithbbpod at gmail.com for new episodes. Sorry, we're on our way to more in 2020. But um, I just wanted to update you with the current housekeeping, as I call it on this podcast, But this is a very special episode because uh, it is 2020, it is election year, and I'm fired up because fuck this election. But before we get that, I want to introduce my guest. My guest has been on this podcast twice, uh, but I figured that we needed discussion as opposed to me just ranting and raving about my angry rants of the election. So welcome. Uh, Introduce yourself. Well, my name is Marcus, so thanks for having me. Awesome. So, let's just be clear to all of you who have been listening to this podcast for six years, or let's just even go back three and a half years. Uh, My first soapbox episode was my disdain for Donald Trump when he started running, and obviously that didn't help. But uh, I feel like... uh, a little bit more discussion has to be said about the entire election process and this election thus far. Uh, we have just basically been bamboozled, and I will get to that in a minute. But my first question is, let's just talk about the fact that we are currently in a state of affairs in the U.S. where it is hanging on a reverse pattern of whether we get a Republican or a Democrat as our president, the two-party system. And as a democracy, that's really not how you define a democracy as just two parties. Uh, I know we offline have talked about the problems with this, but let's just kind of make it so for those who uh, find this episode or this podcast will understand why the thinking of the two-party process needs to change. And first, you have been not part of any of these parties, and I am a self-proclaimed non-partisan. So explain to me what your frustration is just with the two-party system. My frustration with the two-party system? Well, um, my frustration is that my beliefs aren't represented squarely by either party. I mean, and I, this, the interesting thing is I think most people would agree with that, but at the same time, people aren't willing to try to figure out how to change that. I mean, are you just going to pick the lesser of two evils every time and then hope that it, some, someday there is going to be somebody who's not evil? I mean, without doing anything. So that's my thought with it is that you have to be willing to do something about it and try to figure out what is it that we can do about it to change that um 
because the thing that, that that's the problem is that um, the party you basically only have one of two options on <clears throat> the ballot so that's a problem so what are you going to do you're going to write in the candidate you want and have zero percent chance of that actually happening or do you want to vote for a third party and try to improve the chances of a third party becoming a viable option so it's it's a big thought of how do we change it or should we even change it and just continue to vote for the lesser two evil right and i agree so let's since i brought it up let's go back to 2016 so personally uh i'm just gonna throw it out there i was one of the popular millions that voted for hillary now before you get on your high horse about whether you hate or like hillary i personally don't hate but i personally don't like hillary i voted for hillary because i really thought that she could run the country swimmingly better than Trump has done for three years, and I'm still correct in this assessment. However, she has some issues, and I'm not talking about the emails. I could fucking care about what email she used. At this point, I could care about... I mean, an article came out this week about Ivanka using a personal email. Who the fuck cares? My point being is, foreign policy, yes, Hillary had way more experience because, A... Her husband was a former president. B, she was a secretary of state, and she's a, a senator for New York. So she had political experience in dealing with other governments as well as uh, within the establishment, if you want to call it. How, however, because of such propensity in her being one of the proponents within the political system as it is, I think that harmed her electability and that's why people, well, really the Electoral College, the electorates voted for Trump was because they wanted somebody different that wasn't necessarily represented before within American politics. So it was a whole clusterfuck of a problem in 2016 because the media bias painted Hillary as a shoe in but nonetheless, everybody was just lying and basically went and voted for Trump regardless of... I mean, there was still a popular vote. She still won the popular vote. But my point being is the electorates lied saying they were going to go for Hillary and then went for Trump in my assessment. Whether that was true, whatever. The point I'm trying to make is you can't, it can't, like you just mentioned, come down to the lesser of the two evils. It, I, like I said, I don't necessarily agree with everything Hillary has done or did. I don't necessarily, definitely, as people have listened to this podcast before no i am not a trump supporter but when a significant amount of population of this country is disenfranchised with how the system is going for them personally which is why they voted for trump in 2016 because he promised things he could make things better obviously he was lying that's a whole other story you you would think people would start to get realize that maybe the political system as it is needs to change and they need to realize that a democracy doesn't need to boil down to two all the time. There should be a, a better playing field of more candidates. Or people should actually know who is running in, as an independent, who is running as a green uh, member of that party, who's running as an other party. Because you won't know that until we show up for the general election in November, and you'll see that there's three other candidates listed there, but you haven't heard a fucking word about them in the media. Yeah. And that's happened for the last for the last three elections I've been able but to vote. But somehow they were still able to get on the ballot yet. 
somebody like, let's say, Bernie Sanders might not even be able to get on the ballot. Yeah. What's, so let's talk about that. So let so this leads into why I talked about being bamboozled. I like using the bamboozled term because, well, it's a reference to friends, but also a lot of things. So this election has been interesting. There was like 25 fucking DNC registered candidates. Obviously, the, the, the big well-knowns that made a name for themselves were Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg. I would say people know who Amy Klobuchar and Tulsi Gabbard are now, but in the long run, they were still kind of in the back burner. But then the funny thing about this entire election was that Joe Biden was begged to basically run by many probably people within the DNC, as well as just celebrities and you, you name it. And at first, he was reluctant to run. Because I remember, he came in when all the others started running in 2017, and at least acknowledged that they were going to run. Biden would say, oh, fuck that, I'm not running. This is a, Or I have to talk to my family about this. You know, just kind of brush it off, saying that he really was like reluctant to run. And so he didn't initially run when a lot of the others put their name in the ring. And then all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere and says, yeah, I'm running. Uh, the way he did it was a little like, oh, why would he uh, announce it this way? But that's a neither here or there. So, But in the process of this entire election, we're here on 2020, the people are voting in the primary. And for months now the media and people themselves have said publicly that they counted Biden out before Super Tuesday. That because his campaign failed to raise the amount of money that other campaigns did, such as Warren, such as a Sanders, such as a Buttigieg, that there was no way he would get past Super Tuesday. And then two days before Super Tuesday, he wins one state, which is South Carolina, or North Carolina, one of the Carolinas, out of nowhere, and people are like, oh, he wanted to stay. And then on Super Tuesday, he actually got more delegates and won more states, beating Bernie Sanders. And that made Pete bow out. That made... Well, Pete bowed out before. Before, but <coughs> then he endorsed Biden, mm-hmm. which is suspect. And mm-hmm. then Warren now has said, you know, has bowed out, but she hasn't endorsed either one yet. And a, f- a few... Uh, Obviously, the others were dropping like fly. Bloomberg hasn't endorsed anybody because Bloomberg's just weird and trying to do some his own campaigning. Um, I mean, he has an endorsement from Clint Eastwood, if that says enough. But... Well, Bloomberg endorsed Biden, all right. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, he did. So, the point I'm trying to make is we got bamboozled, and I say we because in... The thing about it is that it's a bait and switch, in my opinion. They're like, oh, look at all these interesting candidates. Oh, you like one? That's great. Yeah, you're part of our party. You're the Democratic Party. You like a candidate. You like Yang. You're in the Democratic Party. Psych. You can't vote for Yang. You have to vote for Biden. Yeah, that, let, let, <laughs> let me bring that up. Uh, I mentioned all these frontrunners and ones you may have heard of, but I was never... <laughs> Uh, I will take this back. I was a supporter of Kamala Harris before she dropped out. And then now, with today's new headline, we'll get to in a minute, uh, not 
kind of liking the the trail she's she's blazing. Uh, but then I became part of the Yang gang and still part of the Yang gang, even though he's now, Andrew Yang has dropped out. Uh, I liked Pete for about a minute, but like I knew, I thought Pete would be better as maybe a VP or somebody in the cabinet. And he still may be probably Biden's secretary of state at this point, because if he was quick to endorse Biden, there's got to be some sort of funny business of like, promising people cabinet positions at this point. Yeah, there's probably that, but then there's also, <clears throat> I think, just the deep state actors working behind the scenes. The same ones that convinced Biden to even run are the same ones that actually convinced Pete to run. Because Pete, when he first joined the race, he was like, I didn't, I never expected to be here. Kind of like, you know, like, so I think the establishment's like, we need Pete, we need you to run. Biden, we need you to run. And here's how we're going to orchestrate it. We'll have Pete leave, gain a bunch of support, leave right before Super Tuesday, throw his delegates to Biden. I think that was all planned out, to be honest. Which very may well be, and you know me, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and you are. <laughs> but at this point, with all the funny business going on and the fact that now Biden's the front runner, right. it probably will be the nominee, which will push out Bernie yet again. Because let's go back to 2016 for a second. Bernie should have been beat Hillary, but because of the funny business in the primary and the fact that super like delegates. the super delegates and the DNC were like, we don't want Bernie. Hillary was the nominee, mm-hmm. and then here we are with Trump for four years. So mm-hmm. there's theories. My theory in that, even though I'm not a conspiracy theory, is they just don't like the change of the party guard in terms of what Bernie and even Warren because he's not establishment like the establishment has their set order and an independent person who isn't sold out to the establishment didn't sell out to get to their current position and they're not willing to sell out to become president they're a threat because they have different ideas than what the establishment has in in terms of how to run the country how things should be etc so a candidate like Tulsi Gabbard or a candidate like Bernie, maybe even Elizabeth Warren, obviously a candidate like Trump, completely disrupts the order that they have. And it's an order they set up so that they can profit themselves. They know the order. They set up the order so they can profit. They can get an edge. Their businesses can get an edge, etc. <clears throat> so if somebody else comes in there with new ideas on how to, let's say, level the playing field or improve the economy or whatever it is, those ideas are disruptive to those who are currently in power. Right. So, as we've kind of discussed, in my allegiance to none of the parties, but because of there was so much diversity in the 25 different candidates that ran in the DNC, I had hope that we would find somebody running as a Democrat to actually be true to some of the ideals that people associated with the party. However, at this point, I'm not convinced they're, still, that they're aligning with majority of the generation, which would be our generation now, because they're not understanding that it's not cut and dry as, oh, well, I support this issue, you don't support this issue. No, there's a lot of gray area now within politics and also within issues that are affecting 
citizens of this country and people who are wanting to come to this country as immigrants because newsflash we're an immigration country so i think the disenfranchise that people experienced from the last election and thinking that trump was going to do something whether they're still trump supporters that's their own prerogative but with the ability to have this many different candidates there was hope that maybe you know you could find a candidate that whether they were actually a Democrat or Republican because there's this notion that a you have to run and as a Democrat or Republican even if you're actually not entirely part of the party which you just mentioned Bernie is and I agree Bernie as a socialist or whatever people want to call him he's not a Democrat I I really see him maybe as maybe a, an independent or just a nonpartisan in general um, but that's a whole story so just like when Trump ran as a, a Republican because of the, the track of you either have to choose one or the other in opposing elections, there's a problem with finding not, as you say, being a part of the establishment as it, as, as it exists. I mean... You, you well know me that like I don't necessarily agree with all conspiracies, but at this point, when you had more women running than we've ever seen, you had more people of color running, and now they're all out, and it's still down to two old white men who at the end of the day probably believe in the same things because they're around the same age in their 70s, regardless of... And they're, you know... Part of the well-to-do class. Yeah, they're part of the one percent. Yeah. So there's, yeah. so there's much as much as Bernie plans to help people get out of debt with college and the universal health care, which I agree. He's part of the one percent. How much can he actually relate as being a career politician for forty years to those people who are homeless right now? To those people. That are struggling to I mean, get a green card. He might have <clears throat> what he thinks and what many think to be decent solutions to help people um, that are poor or whatever. Um, but at the same time, he hasn't really experienced it to really know how to help him. You know, his, his idea is put a tax on, on stock trading to help the poor. That's not somebody that lived on the streets would come up with. You know, that's that's something that's something somebody from an ivory tower would think of. You know, somebody on the streets would be like, you know, just help me out with some water, you know, or help me find a job, help, you know, give me some resources, stuff like that, you know. So, again, even though he has what he thinks are good ideas, I don't think that he's really walked the walk enough to have the best ideas on how to help people. Yeah, and this is where I get at, is that I'm probably going to piss off a lot of you Bernie supporters out there with this, but you're part of a New Age cult. I hope you realize that. I hope you realize that, yes, your hope from 2016 or 2015 when you were like, feel the burn, and the whole... I will give Bernie one thing. Side note, he has a great social media and marketing team to propose that you become part of this quote-unquote movement, but you're part of a cult. Whether you take that negatively or 
you know, whatever you want to take it. It's it's up to whoever's listening to this podcast. And as previous episodes, I've talked about the modern day cult. So go back to that episode. But at the same time, yeah, it's great to have support and, and, and get people mobilized in talking about the issues. Probably of the younger generation is great. But when November rolls around and they don't have their candidate representative that they actually got them fired up to care, they're not going to show up to vote. We've seen that time, time, and again. It's a funnel. You know, have you heard of funnels in marketing? Yeah. It, this primary is a funnel. It's like you get all these people that have all these diverse beliefs to believe in a candidate, and then you start pulling those candidates out one by one until you're just left with the one you want everybody to vote for. <laughs> it's a funnel, you know? It's a, it's, it's a fraud, really. I mean... I, more than anybody, want anybody who turned 18 this year or last year to be just as fired up, if not more fired up, than the person that turned 80 this year. And they want, the establishment wants you to be fired up to vote for one of their candidates. Why don't we get fired up to change the system? Exactly. That's the point of that. We don't know how to do that. We don't know how. That's what we need to figure out. How do we change the system? Because many different countries one actually really close to us southern i mean mexico has had many different political revolutions now granted they're still in a an array and you could chalk that up to uh, a lot of different issues but they at least in the 80s were like we're gonna fucking change try to change the world with a new candidate and a revolution and many countries have done this over the years i mean the berlin wall fell the you know, there's a list of host of different historical significant elections out there in the world that have changed life, some for the worse, but some for the better. Now, when you talk about USA being the number one democracy in the world, how is it that we are constantly in a pattern of career established politicians that for how many years they've been in office, whether they're senators, House of Representatives, or just, you know, a mayor of a town, how do we continue to just vote that way? I've gotten into many political discussions on social media, which is sad recently, about people just saying, well, I don't like the candidates, I don't like that Biden's gonna probably win, I was team Bernie or I was team Warren, but at the end of the day, we just need to get Trump out. I agree, Trump is Satan. But at the end of the day, you're just perpetuating the same patterns if you're just going to vote blue or and vote plus, red. It, plus, lots of people are like, well, let's just do it this time, and then next time we can change the system. Well, that'll keep going forever. There's yeah. always going to be a reason just this time to vote for the Democrat or just this time vote for the Republican to get the other one out, but it's the hustle. That's a hustle. That's what a hustler makes you do. Well, no, 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 just right now. You need to do it right now. You need to do this right now. That's what a hustler has you do. That's the whole point of a hustler is that's what they do. Right. So you're getting hustled. So the point I'm trying to make, I guess, with this episode, um, obviously neither one of us in this conversation are agreeing with what's going down. Now, as a nonpartisan... I don't have an allegiance to either side. 
I never have. I've always said since the day I turned 18, even before the day I turned 18, I hate each side equally because I think they're both corrupt. I think there's flaws on both sides. There's no perfect party. There's no perfect candidate. If that was the case, why don't we just elect a robot at this point? But Actually, that's kind of scary because that actually might be I know. things go. But at this point, I don't want that to happen. Yeah. We're humans. We're flawed. We're, you know... We're not perfect. However, there should be some sort of willingness to A, look inside and look below, beyond the surface and see that something fishy went down with this fucking election. There was no, not that I'm, I'm not trying to be anti-Biden, but the, the point I'm trying to make is for somebody who was laid low, had the least amount of donors, and to win, to identify with a certain demographic within the South, which is black voters in the south there's theories as to why obviously he was the vp with obama and as somebody who's multiracial i could see how black voters would want somebody who at least was supportive of such issues under the obama administration however that is not even as somebody of color myself who have experience discrimination from the day I was born you you can't that's great to have to think that there's somebody out there that will understand what you're going through but that's not a reason to vote for somebody out of nowhere I, I still am I'm just a little confused as to why all of a sudden there's all this support for, in the south from black voters for Biden, when in reality, the you had Kamala Harris, you had uh, Bernie, you had Warren, who actually course, I mean, if, have done if, stuff for if, the if that were for the, the case, let's say he does. Biden just has a lot of grassroots support in the South. Why wasn't that showing in the polling? Yeah, this is the point: is the whole margin of error and the polling and all the bullshit that the media reports has completely. There's something weird. It it's so fishy. It's it so fishy. From the from the minute, like obviously my gut instinct, I was not. I've never felt the burn. I'm not part of the Warren clan. I mentioned I'm part of others, but I Warren still tribe. Whatever. Because uh, the Pocahontas thing. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, forget that. I don't care if she's. An everybody eighth. has a funny name: Yang Gang, Bernie Bros, and the Warren tribe. But the <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is. Uh, we need to figure out what went down here. And to all of those people that are like, well, if you vote third party, you're just throwing your vote away. You've been bamboozled on the entire system because that's not a democracy. That's an authoritarian. That's a, that's a dictatorship if you have two choices. Yeah. Like, seriously? Like, yeah, you got you. you you're I'm not gonna color. write in you're, somebody. Like you, I'm not gonna can, write in Mickey Mouse. You, but I'm gonna. Uh, you can have a different favorite color, but you have to vote for either red or blue as your favorite color. You might like yellow, but you still gotta pick red or blue. Yeah. How <laughs> is that a democracy? No. I mean, there needs. So I'm gonna vote third party. Like I'm gonna. I've said this publicly, but I don't know who in the third party I'm gonna vote for. But I. I but feel at least like they're on the ballot. Yeah. They're on the ballot. Your They're favorite ballot. Bernie or your favorite Warren is not going to be on the ballot now. Um, and obviously, side note, I feel it's kind of fucked up that uh, 
at least Tulsi Gabbard is staying in this, and she's trying to uh, stick it to the man because she's really not a Democrat. She's an independent. Or if I to be honest, like I, I honestly and yet don't there's understand. the DNC made up new fucking standards this last week to block her from being on the debate stage on Tuesday. So Obviously. it's just down to fucking Biden and Bernie. I mean, all of the other candidates could have stayed in. It's just, I honestly don't think that they really believe in what they're doing if they're not going to just stay until the end no matter what. I mean, that's what I would do. If I if I really believed in running and believed in my platform and message, why would I drop out? You know? Yeah, I don't get that. And I, and I think that's, I, I just... Tulsi Gabbard just gained a lot of respect for me because she, granted, she didn't do well on Super Tuesday, but she's like, fuck this, I'm staying in this until I have to get out. And that is something that I would like in a politician. Not somebody that's going to go, oh, well, I guess I'm going to bow out, and oh, well, he promised me I could, like, play with him, so I'm just going to endorse him and be on his good graces and play the political bullshit. Yeah, that's what establishment people would do, is they're all just trying to get ahead themselves. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. If people are bowing out, especially something like the Pete thing, where it's, like, obviously ulterior, ulterior motives... I mean, they were just doing this for their own gain. It wasn't for the message. It wasn't for change. It was just to... to yeah, now up. people know their name. Yeah. They're a household yeah, name exactly. now. That's a, that's a spooky thing. Yeah. So, I guess in conclusion, we could go around on this discussion for as long as we want, but I felt that it, we needed to like have this conversation because while people... The more people suppress and not have these conversations about politics, and let don't get us wrong here, Marcus and I do not agree on everything. <laughs> so if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, there is a bunch of both. No, we do not. In fact, we're quite different. Very hard to find middle ground. Yeah. However, we respect each other's sides and we have these conversations. We've had them offline, but we decided to record this one because... It is important to talk about this. The more we suppress it, the more people are just not, A, going to be educated and not learn to respect their fellow man. And we're just going to continue in the world chaos that we are right now in terms of, like, well, they don't understand me. Everybody's ignorant. Well, how do you not become ignorant? You learn from others. You talk. You research. You do what you can. So... In this election year of 2020, I would hope that people would understand that I, it is my right and I am not throwing my vote away if I vote third party. Because A, they'll actually be on the ballot in November. And so all of your tired energy and devotion to a Bernie Sanders, to Elizabeth Warren, to a Pete Buttigieg, to a Kamala Harris, to an Andrew Yang, at the end of the day, I won't be able to check their name off unless I write it in it November. Probably won't even be counted. Which, exactly. Voter suppression is a whole nother story. We could have a whole nother episode of this podcast on about the fact that, A, having closed primaries in 2020 by state is bullshit. I should have been able, come Super Tuesday, to vote, just be registered as nonpartisan and choose either ballot or just vote like I am in the general election. Why is it that in the primary and majority of this country, you have to choose a party to vote? Like, I don't identify with any of the parties, as I've mentioned over and over again, 
but why am I forced, if I wanted to vote on Super Tuesday, to choose a Democratic ballot because just to vote candidates in that I don't necessarily agree with because they're the only ones going to be considered by the media until November? Like, that is not... Again, authoritarian. How are we a freaking democracy if I don't have the freedom to choose? Like, I want it to be entirely clear to those, and I know a lot of people listen to this podcast from all over the world and you're laughing at us right now because A, Trump's our president, and B, we're having this election. But I just want to be entirely clear that the grass is not always greener on the other side. But until then, we have to, if we believe in movements and we believe in political revolution, we have to believe in the, that we can protest the system by voting third party, by... Whatever it is it, yeah. that you think. I mean, I don't know the answer on how best to go about it, but we can just try to figure out the facts and try to figure out the options and try to make the best decision you know, with the position that we're in. So going forward, do you think that this is going to be an election that whether Trump gets reelected or whether we have Biden in the White House, because that's, again, how it's going. Uh, Do you think this is going to wake up in a generation or are you going to continue on this cycle? Well, um, from a meta perspective, which is kind of what I like to look at the world in in terms of, um, what I'm seeing happening is there's less need for parties. Uh, you know, with social media, with um, podcasting, with YouTube, with other forms. Basically, we're democratizing influence, you know, with things like I really believe in Discord, which is like a chat room, you know, a private chat room for whatever groups you want. But uh, we're getting to a place where money, and as we're seeing with Bloomberg, money can't buy you influence. He had all the money. All the money. I mean, he spent sixty five, billion. That's ten times richer than Trump. Right, and he, he spent five hundred million dollars on so, ads. So that proves and yet, that Trump Trump had something besides just he, money. He had money, which helps. I mean, Bloomberg would get had zero without his money. But you look at his little bump, little Mike bump, of support. You know, you know, a few months ago or whatever, a couple months, and you realize that money can't buy you influence anymore. You know, going on Joe Rogan or. You know, starting up a a really robust grassroots like Bernie. You know, these are the things that are starting to become viable. And eventually, because right now everybody wants to be on a party ticket because then they have access to a lot of money, especially um, in terms of the the the, the primary, the general election. At this point, it would be hard to campaign in general election because the thing is with a party, let's say you choose Republican. If you get the nomination against all odds... Which Trump is going to because there's well, no anybody yeah, running against him. I just him. mean, in, let's say Democrat, okay? So if you end up getting the nomination of the party, that means all of that party support, all of the DNC money is or behind RNC. you. Is behind you in the general. But we're starting to figure out that it's not just money. You know, you can build a grassroots thing and you won't need that party money for a general. So... That's kind of what I'm seeing things go. I mean, I guess that's hopeful, but that's also just looking at the data, looking at actually how things are going right now. So it's about building influence, and if you can build it outside of a party, then 
that's going to be ideal for freedom kind of going forward. Good ending note. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Marcus, for joining me again on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was thanks an interesting, me. illuminating discussion. Uh, for those out there that are like fearful of having these discussions, I highly recommend it. And for those that are uh, new to this podcast, feel free to check out past episodes. And again, like I said, log on to the website for any updates regarding this podcast. And we will see you on another episode.